0: Have any of you ever seen the movie Ghost and Mr. Chicken? I've never seen anybody so scared in all my life, especially when I see those eyes. How about Walter Brennan? <clears throat> For some of you older people. What's that? Yes. Kind of a fatherly figure. What else do you remember about Walter Brennan? How did he walk? Limp, big limp. What about John Wayne? When you hear John Wayne, cowboy. cowboy. How about Ward Cleaver? You remember Perfect Father? Perfect father. I knew there was somebody here that, that had to be a be a fan of Ward Cleaver and June. How about Mother Teresa? Humble servant, absolutely. What about Helen Keller? Determined. Determined. Okay, how about um Martha Stewart? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about um Elmer Fudd? For the kids. <laughs> yeah. These are all, when you think of these people, there's always something that comes to your mind, doesn't it? Something about their, uh, the way they acted or their character. I mean, everybody has a specific character about them, don't they? And la- last week we looked at First Thessalonians chapter 1 and we looked at what a, what a church should look like, what God's church should look like. And what, what we knew about the Thessalonians is that they were faithful and that even though Paul was only with them for three weeks, for somehow he taught them the doctrines... Of of the faith, and they lived it faithfully, and that—that is amazing to me. When he spent so much more time with the church in Corinth or, uh, or in Philippi, and yet they didn't seem to get it. There were there was many that were straying away from the truth. They they never really grasped the truth that Jesus or that Paul was trying to teach them about Jesus. So when I think of Paul, I think of a man of deep conviction. When I when I when I think of Paul as a as a man of God. I see him as a man of deep conviction, even before he was a Christian, when his name was Saul, he was still a man of deep conviction, wasn't he? He persecuted Christians to the best of his ability. He went and did it with all his heart, and once he became a Christian, it was the same thing. He was a man of deep conviction. He was deeply committed to the cause of Christ. That kind of commitment and that kind of conviction, I believe God wants for us as, as Christians, is as, in, in the church today, because there's so many things pulling at the church to pull us away from the Christian character that we are supposed to have. And I, and I think often, you know, how did Paul teach? When, when, especially when he came to the church in, in Thessalonica, I see Paul, he didn't come condemning them, did he? Even though the, the church in Thessalonica were pagans, they, they, had, they didn't know Jesus, they didn't have any use for him. But instead, Paul came and he taught them the truth, he taught them with love, and he taught them with respect. And that's what won them over to Christ. It wasn't the, the, con- the condemning voice that so sometimes we we get caught up or, in ourselves and we, we are ju- judgmental of those around us. But in chapter 2 now, Paul is speaking more in depth about his ministry and his message and also about his lifestyle. And I think we can learn a lot from Paul in that. And the, the point I'm trying to make is that I, I hope you're going to see the type of Christian character that you and I are supposed to have. So that when people say our names, they're going to say, child of God, faithful, a servant, loving, non judgmental. W- wouldn't you love to hear those things if someone uptown mentioned your name and those were the type of things they would say about your character? It's so what we are in life is far more important than what we say. Even though the words we say are really important in life, but it's just part of the character package that you and I are supposed to have. How we speak to others is important. How we treat others is important. How we live our lives is important. Our unconscious influence, as I think about that, is so much more important than our conscious influence. When we specifically set out to do something, sometimes we do it with ulterior motives. Maybe sometimes we are hanging on to just a little bit of pride, or we're hanging on to a little bit of, I need to do this because I'm told to do that, other than I'm told to do this, or I am doing it out of love, and out of an unconscious effort that it becomes so much a part of you, as I believe it was with Paul. Because Paul, in Philippi, him and him and Silas were persecuted. They were they were beaten. It says severely beaten. They were thrown in prison, and we know of the prisons back then. They're not like the prisons today. They were a, a very disgusting place. Usually a hole in the ground, a lot of times, and there were um, food was scarce. Uh, there many people died when you were sent to prison, and yet Paul came out, and he was his attitude is incredible. That's when I when I think of Paul, I think of Absolutely, a deep committed Christian, so solid that he was not swerving at all from the truth or preaching it. Because even when he came to Thessalonica, he was persecuted once again. And he was made to leave only after three weeks. He was basically run out of town. I'd like to read a a couple quotes here, but the first one by a well-known Christian writer named James Denny. And James Denny writes about Christian character. He says... A Christian's character is the whole capital he has for carrying on his business. If you think of it as a business, it's everything. In most callings, in most other callings, a man can go on no matter what his character is, provided his balance at the bank is on the right-hand side. But a Christian who has lost his character has lost everything. Or in other words, the effectiveness of your witness is destroyed, and it can be destroyed so easily. When you compromise your character, and here's another quote that I really liked by missionary Jim Elliot, who was who was killed um, as a missionary to a tribe. It was a a, a cannibalistic tribe that he wanted to um, wanted to witness to, bring bring Christ to. And he said, in spiritual work, if nowhere else, the character of the Christian worker decides the quality of his work. In other words. He's saying, are, are we the real deal? Are we really living our lives the way God intends us to? Do your actions reflect your desire, your heart's desire? Because that's what, that's what Christ is after. Are you hungering and thirsting after God in such a way that your actions are reflecting the love of Christ so much so so that when people see you and that when they hear, they hear your name, they'll think of faithfulness. And it's not just among other Christians that you can hear that. Because I believe when we live our lives so in love with Jesus and so much as a servant of our Lord, the world will see that. They'll see the love and they'll see the desire for them to know too that love of Christ. So what does your work look like when you think about it today? When you think of a professional musician or an athlete, you know they can be very successful in the work that they do. And, I, and I, I can think of some that are extremely successful but are terrible character witnesses. But they are successful in what they do. But according to morality, according to any type of Christian character, there isn't much of a witness. Or when you think of a... Say a shrewd, immoral businessman, he may treat his employees terribly. He may treat his competitors terribly. And yet that businessman can be successful in the world's eyes. He can become very wealthy. But I think our view, I know our view, of success is very clouded in our world today. And this is not so for Christians when you think of what success means. When you think of Paul, when he w- wanted to go to, um, on, on his missionary trips, he had visions. He had a vision of a man standing before him, telling him that, he's, that, that he was to come there. There were times that he felt Satan was keeping him from going places. And there were many times that Paul, when he'd go there, he would become persecuted. He was re- arrested. And do you think at times that he would think to himself, was this really God's will for me? It doesn't seem that I'm following the right path. I would question that myself when I face persecution. One thing is about Scripture, and it's very clear, is that when you mess with your Christian character, you mess with the success of your witness. And we've seen that throughout history. Paul referred to his own character in living and living For proof of what he is saying to the Thessalonians. It says nine times in the first epistle you you hear Paul say, you know Thessalonians. He said that because they saw firsthand Paul's life. They saw firsthand how Paul spoke. You see, Paul was the same person privately and publicly. There was no difference in Paul's life. Who he was today is who, is who he was tomorrow, and that's he lived it consistently, and that's what you and I should desire as Christians. The success of Paul's ministry was clearly due to the work of the Holy Spirit, and Paul would be the first to say that. But I don't want to belittle at all or or talk down about our importance of of living a Christian life of character. Where we are faithful to that calling. I'd like to look at verses one through four as we begin in chapter two. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, he says, You know, there it is one there's one of them, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. See, Paul was faithful. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. See, in verse 2, we read that Paul was courageous in his ministry. When we think of punishment, we, we can think of many things, we, but I don't think we can possibly... Imagine what it meant to be severely beaten in those days. But that's what Paul faced. That's what Silas faced. And many of the Christians back then. Yet Paul pressed on to Thessalonica. He didn't give up. Even there he faced opposition and he preached faithfully and he preached truthfully. He didn't compromise one bit the truth of the gospel. Paul did not preach to please men. But he preached to please God. Paul didn't take his call lightly. He spoke as one with authority, it says, a man approved by God. Can you imagine that? Just to think that, I ha- that you would have that saying about you that, that your life was, was one that is approved by God, that what you were doing, God had a stamp of approval on your life. It's a pretty strong statement we live today in a world of compromising we absolutely do we hear that we are to be tolerant we hear that we are to compromise and to get along and it doesn't matter if we have to compromise the truth, it all involves around getting along with our neighbors and sometimes, unfortunately, that's not always possible because we have to stand true to the word of God we have to preach his word regardless of the outcome when it comes to the word there is no compromise and it says god will test our hearts for how pure our motives are when i think about that i think that's a it's very sobering because he knows me he knows my thoughts he knows my motives and i just pray that 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 i would humbly come before him every day and pray that he would keep me pure that he would that he would work in my heart because we are by nature sinful it is not the normal in our lives to do what is right there is a spiritual battle going on and that is that is so important that we understand that we must stay true to our calling which is to be Christ's hands and his feet in this world and to preach the good news to all generations to come in verses 5 and 12, we see Paul giving an account of his behavior behavior in Thessalonica. So I'd like to look first at, at verses 5 through 6a. And it says, You know we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from men, but not from you or anyone else. Paul never stooped to flattery. And I, for me, uh, that is... That is a part that really, that really hurts. When, when I see pastors or, or I see evangelists out there and they're, they're using um, flattery for their ministry and soon we find them getting caught up in greed and it has happened throughout history. And I'm sure you can name the names and think of them that have fallen to that, to that temptation. And secondly, Paul says, he never used the word of God for his own gain. To be certain of this, he looked for God for approval of whatever he did. If you're living a complete surrendered life to Christ, which is what God requires, then you should have no personal agenda in mind when you serve him. Let's look at 6b through 9. <coughs> Excuse me. And Paul says, "As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you." Did you see in those days it was expected that the, the people that he would preach to would take care of Paul's needs. But what Paul did in Thessalonica is he went to work. He not only preached, he actually went to work and he provided his own way. He did not want to be a burden financially or in any way um, to to the Thessalonian people. He wanted to show them that he, he was not expecting anything from them as he preached to them. Excuse me a minute. and he says but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you and not only the gospel of God but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us surely you remember brothers our toil and hardship we work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you And then finally, from verses 10 through 12, we see Paul summing up his example of the Christian character, to which the Thessalonians were now modeling themselves to those around them, because we knew from from Paul's writings that that the Thessalonians were being noticed around the world. Paul didn't have to tell them how well they were doing, their, their actions were speaking very loudly to those around. So he says, you are my witnesses, or you are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. Now, when I first read that, I thought, that almost sounds pretty prideful. When you, when you think about it, he, Paul is saying, you are witnesses. And so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. <coughs> Excuse me. But Paul's life, there was no pride involved In how he served Christ. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Who calls you into his kingdom and to his glory. The goal of Paul's ministry was that the Thessalonians would would walk worthy of their calling. Total submission to Christ is the key to serving him with our whole heart. It's a key to having a godly Christian character for what God expects of us. In totally submitting to Christ, we find ourselves laying down our own desires. And if you think about trying to find true joy in your life, when you're hanging on to your past, when you're hanging on to things that you desire in this world, there is no true joy in that. There may be, may be moments of joy. But true joy comes when you surrender everything. When you lay it before him. And when you ask him to pick it up. And what he fills it with is his love. And his joy. And his peace. His patience. And we learned about his kindness and his goodness. And we learned to be faithful. And we learn to be gentle. And we learn self-control. Those are all fruits of the Spirit. And they're there waiting for us when we surrender to Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You for today, God. We pray that You would just speak to us this, this week, that You would encourage us, Lord, in our walk with You. We pray that You would... Just speak to our hearts about things that we need to lay down, Lord. Maybe they would be desires, maybe they would be hurts. God, but we are to lay them all down, Lord, at your feet. We pray that you'd help us to put our trust in you and to obey you, Lord. Father, we pray that you'd guide us and lead us now in your precious name. Amen.